Quick, this is just Kev ahead of the uh, episode today. I wanted to let everybody know that uh, Dennis and I recorded this a long time ago, and it's on me. I have uh, been really bad about editing this together and uh, getting the mix out. So uh, if you hear us talk about the leaves turning and <laughs> how the OWASP Top 10 2021 is brand new, uh, all my fault, not Dennis' fault. All right. Thanks, everyone. I hope you still enjoy listening. I- See, you know what we broke though? We broke okay. We broke the spot in eighty. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I, but just I gotta get, we gotta get ourselves in the cold open mindset. No, Dennis, Kev, we haven't done this for so long. <laughs> but no one, no one will not, no one will know that with our new uh, release schedule. Yes, the release schedule, which is, we've revolutionized podcasting by. <laughs> Releasing every two weeks instead of one week. So we've had the amount of time that we're recording episodes. Just let's do the math for our listeners. First off, our episodes are half as long as they used to be. Right? Mm-hmm. I think big improvement. Next step. People are complaining too many podcasts. So we've cut our release schedule in half. Now it's half of half. You're getting one-fourth of the content over four times the length of time, right? Yeah. Perfect. That's what I think people that's good. want. Yeah, <laughs> that is want. the doctor recommended amount of uh, Kev and Dennis exposure that people should be getting. Yeah. And also, I feel like we should start watering down actually even the content maybe by another half. Oh, I actually thought you were going to say, oh, are you allergic to dropping me from the podcast? Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> how I interpreted are people your. people clamoring for one host? <laughs> I think, I certainly think one host here is clamoring for one host based on their comments no, today. The only reason I do this is because <laughs> I need, I need to help you get your brand out there. People oh, don't know the brand. That is oh, I mean, not, gosh. some people do know, but I don't think people appreciate uh, oh, well. the Dennis shared oh, in brand enough. Man. All right. Well, I appreciate that. So what, how do you mean, what was your, my, my self-deprecating, uh, I was interpretation thinking about this, answer? Oh, I was just thinking about like, like, let's tone it down a notch on useful. Like we did on the summer. Maybe we just do a movie podcast, just less content, less, <laughs> less on brand. Actually, that's a big thing. Cause we have a lot of listeners that are just like, or I have, you know, some friends and family that listen and they're like, Less software security, less less cyber security. You know, just want to hear you guys hear two cool guys <laughs> talk riff. about the net for almost four hours. <laughs> no, nobody is clamoring for more net, but you know. Oh, anyway, gosh. Um, Dennis. Yes, getting that time of year. There's a nip in the air. There's um, leaves on the ground. There's Kids are at bus stops again. And what else? We've got 10 new, not new, but 10 things we should worry about as published by OWASP. The OWASP Top 10. Yeah. New updates. New, re- new release. New release. 
very exciting. Some consolidations here. You know, not not a lot of changes. Uh, Well, you know, actually, I mean, I got to say there's a decent amount of, uh, you know, some changes, but I think materials are comprehensively, uh, you know, I don't think that this list is unfortunately ever going to change a lot. It's well, one, I think it's a hard thing to do. I do like that. It's a little bit more like the items on the list are a little bit more consistent of like their classes. I mean, they're groups of CWEs at this point, right? They were processed by a big chunk of data. That data was like CVEs to CWEs and then mapped and kind of ranked. Like, so these are, you know, mega CWE category. That to me feels a little bit. I totally like the agree. Right way to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you you are right, right? Um, like some of these categories are getting broader so that, you know, they're merging several of the old old top 10 items into a single one. Um, I do think it is, to your point, uh, yes, becoming exclusively a list of all the same things, whereas previously it was, you know, hey, here's some vulnerability classes, here's some root cause issues, here's some general bad stuff. And so I think that it's getting much more streamlined in Mm -hmm. in presenting a, you know, I don't know, homogenous list of things. Yeah, it's a set of categories now at this point. Yeah. Useful. And it's a, I'm not saying it doesn't have a, like, it's a useful set of categories. It is a useful set of categories. Um, you know, I could talk about this a little bit longer, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but what I'd say is like at this point, you know, it's still, it's still not quite there yet. I would say, you know, I still I, question. Listen, it's a very hard thing to make it. I mean, Absolutely. Like, this I, is a hard challenge. I'm and not saying it's easy. I'm just saying more room maybe for improvement. Like advice right off the top. This is it's interesting. You should read this list, but more importantly, firms, organizations, whatever, should be building their own top list and probably 10 too many. Um, but like, you know, all of the data of the, the problems that you're finding now or problems you know about that you don't have a, a systematic way to find and detect or whatever, build your own like top 10 things that you're worried about, I think, too, and compare it to this list. Yeah. No, I, valuable starting point. Yeah. So I, I think um, I agree with you. You know, great, great starting place for customization. Right. Okay. So because of that, there might be some, uh, some, some challenges as we try to do this, but what we wanted to do th- go through, I mean, you guys, everybody can read this list on their own. It's uh, I think a worthwhile use of people's time. We wanted to just hit, all 10 and maybe try to give a tip of like, how do you find issues in this category and, um, you know, go from there. So, um, we were going to alternate, I don't know if people want the sausage, but, uh, did you want to kick it off with a one 2021 broken access control? Sure. Uh, broken access control, you know, I think for here, I, I always found that, uh, like combination of like two things. Number one, um, actual, you know, actual just normal uh, QA testing here for uh, roles and responsibilities matrix uh, uh, 
or, or excuse me, like a roles and permissions matrix, validating those, but also this, you know, brute, brute forcing URLs for manual pen testing. So, um, 100% agree. And that, if you hadn't said it would be my plus up is testing a positive test case to say user one should be able to get to this object. User two should be able to get to their own object, but user one shouldn't be able to get to user two's object. That kind of positive and negative privilege test cases, because a large chunk of the scariest vulns that we see in this area are insecure direct object references. So mm-hmm. also with admin roles, like not, but on the horizontal, I think the horizontal side is something that maybe uh, has gotten less attention than the privilege side. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, I think to a lesser extent, you know, just when you read the description of this thing, probably your automated scanning for, uh, you know, post put deletes just to see if those are um, uh, implemented or, or can be abused for APIs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that that basically covers this one. All right, I'll lead the charge on AO2 cryptographic failures. Um, I think this is twofold. I think like, Culturally, I know a lot of organizations have kind of given up on policy, but if there was one policy to try to kind of uh, hang your hat on, don't roll your own crypto. Like um, that is really bad. Implement implementing even crypto libraries uh, independently. So I would really push people towards relying on security features and reuse in this area. And uh, in terms of, I guess that's preventing, but detecting. I think, um, you know, really this is down to source code review and or making, you know, monitoring those hopefully shared cryptographic features, functions or things like that for, for usage, right? So if you can, you can add some telemetry to say, hey, uh, this application is not ever touching uh, the appropriate, author, uh, you know, signing mechanism or tokenization thing, maybe, maybe you can do some checks like that. But really most crypto issues you're going to find in source code. Yeah. And I think what it's now falling into this bucket too is just things from, you know, again, it's going to come up a lot, automated scanning, I feel like for this list, but uh, for HTTP, you know, insecure uh, communication protocols, right? Identifying pages that are available over HTTP or um, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, probably. Ah, gotcha. Yep. That's good. I mean, that's, I think that's another big section in here. For, yeah, for I mean ACO. that's that's uh, consolidating things, right? Trans, yep. you know, of, of I think you hit the transport layer stuff, and I was, you know, more data at rest or interaction stuff. So yeah, good both sides of that. All right. Okay. Next up, a three, uh, very broad category of injection. Uh, so again, scanning here, but I feel like scanning, manual pen testing, um, uh, valuable um, uh, as well. Um, you know, I guess not. This is just so broad right now with like command injection covering uh, SQL injection. Uh, not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just this is a very broad reaching category here. So, um, and surely SAS. So I feel like, you know, the, the three major detection, standard detection means are all applicable uh, for injection. Yep, definitely agree. And also, um, I mean, it's a broad category. This is, I think, one of the ones that probably the list struggles with the most. But there's other things that you know are pointed out, like uh, it used to be insecure deserialization became a different one. But 
um, you know, insecure deserialization a lot of the times looks like injection, right? I'm going to send as my user input some JSON <laughs> or something like that that gets wrapped up in a nested thing or whatever, right? So yeah, and I feel like you know I'm kind of I'm actually I'm like happy to see insecure object deserialization moved into this because you know oh, it's not actually on. that's what I was pointing out is that insecure deserialization moved over to software and data integrity failures, which we'll get to in a second. But cross-site scripting is a part of that. So I think that's the, you know, in terms of... Oh, the apologies. Okay. Findings, yeah. Yep, well, yep. I think and, I confused you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just like tangent point, right? I just always felt like, you know, the OS top 10 and the list that it's presenting, that one struck me a little... Like it felt weird that that vulnerability had its own line item in mm-hmm. the top 10 list. Um and I just, that's where, you know, like kind of these classes of vulnerabilities where then they seem to be calling out sort of a niche version of one of them. So I think that that, that was a good move. Um, so maybe, anyway. Maybe the exciting thing on injection is there is a growing technology that actually has good leverage over injection. And that's IAST, right? Where, you know, in an IAST, right, we've instrumented the runtime environment of an application so that it knows what's user controlled and what's going to different places. So you can actually passively, like in the, you know, in the past, we'd find an SQL injection, you know, by sending a bunch of test cases that were encoded in a bunch of different ways and basically, you know, a specialized fuzzing to try to trigger, you know, a SQL response code or timing or something like that. That IAST is pretty, I mean, obviously source code analysis can find some of those issues. That's kind of hard to do, but IAST is actually well positioned for this because, you know, it has a better understanding of uh, how those workflows are are connected together. And even through executing your normal test harness under IAST, um, it can identify that, uh, you know, a particular code flow is vulnerable to injection. So maybe that's, that's the new thing to touch on with injection. Okay. Uh, Let's move on. You, you want to take us through insecure design? Ooh, insecure design. We have a whole recent threat model out, uh, threat modeling thing uh, podcast. Right? So threat modeling is is maybe the the most rigorous approaches. I actually like that they call out in kind of the high level uh, description here. It's not just threat modeling. It's also getting better around secure design patterns and principles, reference architectures. If we had released our podcast one week earlier, I would uh, be reaching out to to our friend AVS and, and seeing if he uh, maybe listened to our podcast, but no, like that just kind of reminiscent of some of the things that, that we called out in that podcast. Yes. And you know, in terms of, I'm actually excited to see this called out as well for the way that this list is kind of used. Um, and you know, Hey, do you have any bad OWASP top 10 stuff, right? Someone might say when they're consuming software from somebody, right? And so it's like, okay, well, this is really, this might move the needle a bit more on insecure design and folks that might've just been running tests and providing some report uh, now have to include uh, a design review if they weren't doing it before. So I feel like this might be making security reviews that that are getting provided to customers that ask uh, a little bit better by including a, a different oh, yeah, type a, of security review. That's interesting, right? And all the policy that's based, you know, inheriting or a compliance framework that says, hey, what are you doing? And it might trigger some effort. So maybe some good practical use there. There's, there's obviously double-edged because there's other types, there's versions of errors in almost all of these categories that could also overlap within secure design, right? Oh, so, yeah. So um, 
yeah, a little bit tricky there, but, uh, and obviously, yeah, uh, yeah, I, you, you summed it up well, so I'm good with insecurity. Okay. All right. I'm up next, I think security misconfiguration. That's another huge can of worms of, uh, how do we, how do we find, uh, security misconfiguration? You know, there's a bunch of different types of misconfigurations of components, the software itself, things being set to debug or not. In terms of finding or in terms of tackling this, I think detection wise, generally interactive testing is probably going to find most of the secure misconfiguration space because there's a lot of components that have to be, you know, some of these things you don't even have, they're not even in the source code. They're in, um, you know, configuration files or metadata for that stuff. What I would suggest is interactive testing as an assurance measure, but also try to put as much of that configuration infra, in, configuration base into revision control, into automation where wherever you can, into your Ansible, manage your configurations uh, programmatically and authoritatively. And even then, if something is misconfigured, um, you have a good accounting of what, where all your configurations are. And you can start to then run some uh, good tooling that looks like code review tooling against like your infrastructure code review tooling or your middleware, you know, uh, as code uh, tooling and find some of those issues. So applying static analysis and secure code review automation to your orchestration metadata and things like that would probably be the, the newer thing to keep in mind. Yeah. You know, and this is, I traditionally always just felt of this one as like run Nessus, right. Uh, <laughs> that like for on the top 10 list, but mm-hmm. uh, you bring up a great point about infrastructure as code, right. And then that the new set of tools that are coming out that are focused just for IAC, right. Uh, and scanning there. So I was actually just while you were talking just to see if they were mentioning any, just even at a abstract level about IAC scanning. Uh, and I don't really see that on, uh, on the, their I- their little deep dive page here. I would assume the types of errors that would come from, you know, mis you know, the the infrastructure as a code are largely configuration stuff. So I think it would fall under this category. So I like to see it there for that reason. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Okay. Uh, A six vulnerable and outdated components. Um, You know, there's a whole tool market around, around this, uh, right? It's a, a lot of options for, for very specific tooling on uh, how to detect these issues. Um, I think that this, this category is, is funny too, be, to me, just because it's like, it's a category of other people's code that probably have, you know, a five through <laughs> and then a seven through a 10, right. You know, it's like you're using code that has other bad OWASP top 10 defects in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for, for the detection, uh, OWASP has uh, dependency checker, and then there's a bunch of commercial tools that are out there too. Yep. I think the only thing people are clamoring for, and we actually talked about a version of this in uh, at like people don't care how good tools are podcast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people could, could benefit a lot from higher signal, lower, lower noise in terms of current usage detection, meaning they want, they want to scan their, they want to do software composition analysis, but there's a lot of those paths where they follow it, you know, a couple inches deep and it's not actually exploitable because a particular function or thing like that wasn't in use, but the tool is not, you know, intelligent yet. So I, I think that people are definitely clamoring for that. I think people are working on it on the vendor space. I would say that 
in some cases, you know, you should just use that maybe as a prioritization lens because as we talked about on that one podcast, a tool's ability to detect, you know, code paths to a vulnerable mm-hmm. piece of software is kind of chicken and the egg for, you know, a lot of the software security problems that we have are because we mispredict that. So current usage is going to be subject to um, not having perfect understanding of, of how a code path could be reached. So. Yes. And, you know, uh, another thing here that I was leaving out of scope in the detection that they, that they do bring up on their uh, write-up is, uh, you know, attack intel, right? So subscribing to some lists about st- stuff that you're using because, uh, you know, it's not always just the code that you're writing, right? could be code that you, you know about that you're running in your environment, is not getting scanned with some kind of tool like this, but you need to know, like, mm-hmm. if there's some sort of zero day is in it. So that's another very valuable uh, and necessary part of a program. Okay, good. Uh, I think I'm up, right? Identification yes. and authentic- authentication failures. This is kind of an interesting workaround because they have that category around broken access control that kind of picks up the other, you know, uses like mm-hmm. identity access authentication or, you know, authentication authorization and accounting, and they have other categories. So this one specializes really on identification, authentication as an independent thing. And by the way, that also is broken. So all three of those things are broken. Um, detecting this, I think you hit upon it. I think that there's things that you can do in QA testing a little bit. I think this is really something that penetration testers and exploratory testers are going to get the best coverage on, as well as documenting or building rules around the patterns you know and observe. You know, So if you find a particular uh, pattern through exploratory testing, if you can convert that to something that you can then check for in code, like a use of a, of a dangerous library or something like that. Um, that's going to be a good hybrid approach. Um, it actually mentions in the description, increased availability of standardized frameworks. That I think is where source code analysis can help. If people are supposed to use a you know reference implementation, writing the pattern of source code automation to say, yeah, don't authenticate. Like if you see the word password in this thing, it's broken because we should be calling this safe library or something like that. Those are the types of things that can maybe move the bar from source code analysis perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So definitely agree uh, with the points that you had brought up. Um, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the insecure things here, a seven would also be coming out of a four. And you, you've, you mentioned that when you were talking about a four, right. Insecure design that some yeah. of these things. And, about insecure- uh, and touching, right. So if, if you think about AAA, like, you know, an old, us old network guys, that's, that was the three commands that we used to type on Cisco stuff all the time. Right. Broken access control really is an authorization. <clears throat> and then, um, you know, we have this identification and authentication, and then we have accounting, right. Which I think is hitting AO nine security logging and monitoring failures. So, that would be kind of the purview of, of how people like me from the 1990s can process this with our feeble brains. <laughs> okay, next up, uh, uh, A08, software and data integrity failures. Oh, I'm glad this one ended up on your plate. Yes, that was good, right? <laughs> yeah. Hammer it home. <laughs> yep, yep. So uh, covering code downloads, uh, the environment in which the code is being built, um, and uh, that your your 
package managers are consuming uh, trusted, you know, uh, libraries from trusted repos because um, we were seeing that uh, there was sort of the the name is escaping me, but the the confusion dependency confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that yeah. might actually be the name uh, that that came out this year. Uh, protecting your build environment, uh, which was very very much in the news. Um, so very timely. Um, uh, I'm glad to see it included here. I think that was something that was often, you know, really just sort of considered out of scope, not really for a, a, any good reason, just, um, uh, people just didn't, you know, I guess you're sort of, you're in the development environment, you're doing your application security checks. So you never really felt like, oh, should we be also double checking the security of our development environment, right. In our build environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we all saw repercussions of that. Um, and then some of the things I think that are in here about, you know, uh, the updating processes, uh, updating processes of, uh, of, of software and digital signatures and signed components. You know, I think those are things that have been on people's radar as well for a while that are here. Um, but, but in terms of detection, uh, for these, you know, I think that this is another th- threat model that's really probably going to get the best benefit, followed by um, a threat model of your development environment, your process for downloading um, or in doing updates, and mm-hmm. then a using that threat model to drive a penetration test of those you know, of those processes and of your uh, CI/CD environment or, or whatever your build and development environment are. Yep. And and I, some people use threat model uh, maybe vaguely, but I'll hammer this home. We're talking about you know your typical asset centric threat modeling, right? Like so, if you use Pasta or Stride or those things, but the thing you're thinking about is how do we protect our code as it goes through this process, such that the code that we think is is our product makes it all the way through into it, whatever deployment place, right? So in terms of that that full pipeline, there's uh, relatively sound kind of tracking to say we wrote this code here and it's still that same code there and it's making its way all the way through the system. Yeah. Um, so all right. the, you are up next. Ooh, I, I, let me tag up one little bit on uh, software and data integrity failures. Obviously uh, there's a lot of collision here and some, a lot of programs are going to be set up to think about supply chain security. And I think that that's going to have elements from software and data integrity failures, as well as vulnerable and outdated components. So, you know, when you're blending these things together, and I mentioned that included as of, you know, uh, insecure deserialization, which if I was on the lobby, I would maybe ask, or if I was on the committee, maybe I would ask that just the question, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but, you know, of, of, when deserialization looks or maybe is more appropriate for injection, right? Because that to me is a little, is a little quirky. I don't think of, I guess it's a data integrity failure in the sense of what you think is, I'm not, I'm not quite sure on the categorization of that one. So just something for, it doesn't matter as you're processing your, your programs and outlining things. Um, there's going to be elements of these that maybe don't fit your Lego blocks one-to-one. So figure that out for yourselves. Great, great advice, right? Figure it out. <laughs> That's why people tune in here for great actionable advice. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Am I up, right? I'm you're, up on yeah, you're up with a and monitoring failures. Okay. Well, 
this is the authorization <laughs> uh, piece um, tracking what people are doing. I think that this is um, here's here's the. I think that the old challenges are pretty well known. We're not logging enough and we're not watching those logs. Well, there's also a new and upcoming DevOps challenge of we're maybe in certain cases logging so much that we can't actually find the weak signals in the noise. So maybe that's the new thing that I'll advise on is um, to whenever possible, as a result of your threat modeling, there's probably some residual risks that just you can't 100% mitigate in design. I think that's an area to focus on for security telemetry to say, you know what, we can't prevent one user giving his uh, MFA and user to another through a phishing attack. So let's let's see if we can generate some telemetry so if that ever does happen, we can correlate and maybe reverse some transactions or things like that. So I like to, to maybe take both approaches of um, threat model informed uh, telemetry getting, getting amended added, and then also brainstorming and, and think about different abuse cases out there and see if you can, um, you know, doing that testing to see, Hey, if I tried to look for this, would I have all the data available to me? So maybe some table topping and things like that. Now, also along with this, some people turn off their logging when they're doing pen testing or when they're doing mm-hmm. testing. Yeah. I suggest turn off the alerts, Check the logs. Make sure that that noisy stuff showed up and is getting, um, you know, it jumps to the top of things from from the views so that it can be found. Because some attackers are as noisy as pen testers or worse. So, yeah, it, I agree with that. You know, and I think that this is this is almost like something that you test for in conjunction with your testing of the rest of the OWASP top 10, right? And that they even like recommend that, Hey, well, you're doing your pen testing, you're doing all your scans and stuff. Like, are you triggering, are you getting alerts and all this kind of stuff? Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I think that, you know, to, to your point, most of this, this testing though, don't you feel like it's going to be happening in a pre prod environment and like, so that, it's not going to be setting off all of the production bells and whistles and alerts and notifications, right? Aren't those going to be getting sent to some sort of like test account? So therefore you don't really need to, you've got like a burner or something that's getting all the pager duty alerts or something. It really depends. I think there's totally valid at this point deployment models in different people's use cases where, you know, basically the use cases for environments are getting consolidated, right? Where there might be test accounts in production, but there's... Mm you know, one, one, you know, one single piece flow and like tr- even trunk based development. So who's, who's to say what environments you, you are doing testing in or anything like that. I think that that all is evolving in relatively positive ways. So could be right, could be wrong, but also have monitor, you know, have logging in your QA. And if you have alerts, it'd be great to be able to test the alert flows in some of those things as well too, right? Like, you know, what if you deploy, something to production and it's uh, the alerting is broken of it. Right. And then you lose operational telemetry of it. So I think all of those things should have associated test cases and re- kind of requires if you do have multiple environments to have the corresponding logging it and maybe not monitoring human monitoring, but maybe some, uh, you know, machine-based test cases. Okay. All right. Final one, a 10 server side request forgery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I feel like <clears throat> best detection here 
probably through penetration testing, but like informed penetration testing, um, as you know, you're there, the attackers requesting some internal, uh, resources. Uh, and I, I've actually view this somewhat, I don't know what your thoughts are, but as maybe a very specific instance of injection. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this is sort of like this year's or this list's insecure object deserialization, uh, where it could be part of a broader, one of the broader things, but it's getting called out. Um, just as an aside, uh, I see that this is, this was taken from the, the user survey. This was number one on the user survey. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why uh, they just sort of went with the <laughs> poll, the audience, phone a friend Here, for, for the here's my, uh Here's my, my thoughts with this one. It's a very specific problem to people that are using, are, are implementing certain types of features, right? Mm-hmm. If you have an RSS feed validator or something like that, or if you have a certain, I mean, people that have the, 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 the risk, they're generally opting in. So in some ways you could say that this is actually a threat model thing. I think you're right that, you know, in terms of, in terms of discovery, penetration testing is probably the best way. I also think that this is maybe a good candidate where you assume that you don't have these patterns or where you know that you're not intentionally having these patterns. One other great thing is you can just make sure that the um, systems themselves or containers or things like that are instrumented in a way that when they attempt to make network connections to other things that are unexpected, that, that there's some telemetry for that. And that can kind of clue you in, preferably that they just block that and maybe also log so you can get a feeling for vulnerable uh, components and go deal with them uh, before there's any really an, ever any risk realized. But if you do have a, like a, a real use case where you go out have to take a, a user-provided URL and, um, you know, and go out and do something with that data and bring it into your thing. Let's say your Apple podcasts and you're, you're dealing with validating these RSS, then, um, you know, it's, it's probably something that you have to spend a lot more time making sure that, um, you, you have good patterns for, or, or good infrastructure security patterns to limit the possi- possibilities of, uh, potential issues there. Okay. Well, we have now run through the entire top 10 list. Um, <clears throat> can I surprise any... you with a question? I mean, can we think of anything off the, off our heads that uh, we would want in this list that isn't in this list? Um, I mean, I would go a little bit more broadly than that with that question. And like, I, I, I would just like to see OWASP top 10, maybe, you know, as we run through and you're like, okay, here's a 10 things that are bad. And we're like, how do you find them? And the answers are coming back at like, you know, of course, like design review, you know, the appropriate kind of scanning tool, some manual testing, right? It's like pretty much the answer on how you identify all these things. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, maybe it would be interesting to see OWASP, maybe not this list published as like the top 10, but then take kind of like some SAM data. And it's like, hey, here's the top 10 things your program needs to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and see that, right? Because I, I just feel like there's too many people out there that are running AppSec programs. You ask them what's going on, what, what's their policy, and they say, oh, I'm OWASP top 10. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I don't, what, what does that mean? You don't, okay, your program is you just don't allow OWASP top 10. Um, and, rather, you know, and it's like, 
this is a bunch of bad stuff you don't want. And I'd rather see OWASP have a popular top 10 list that's like, here's the top 10 things that, you know, you could feel good about the program you're doing if you're saying yes to all of these things. So I know mm-hmm. that didn't answer your question specifically, but that, that's where that's what I would like to see the, the, the sort of next evolution of this. Um, or yeah, I mean, it's probably, it's probably never going to be this list, but um, something like that from OWASP. Gotcha. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, I think we uh, did a pretty good lightning round there. Um, or at least we did what we said we were going to do to some. <laughs> so uh, awesome. Always good to, uh, to, to catch up. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't think we need to, to rate anything like this wasn't a secret, right? This is no, no secret open. here. This is open web application security project. So there's no yeah. secrets, no secrets involved. Probably shouldn't have even done a podcast on it, but we did. <laughs> it's too late now. We can't undo the podcast, right? We're certainly not going to throw away this gem of a podcast episode. No, cause then we'd have to, we'd have to have in some other way. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Dennis. All right. Bye, Kev. No Bye. One knows my secret.